and welcome back to Taking Note Podcast. And last week we had Duncan Chisholm, and we're very lucky this week to be joined by Josie Duncan. Yeah, we had a totally uh, magic time in the studio with um, Josie way back in the summer of 2021 there. She brought uh, a song and we we made a rearrangement of it and recording, which is lovely. And we had just, yeah, really lovely and interesting chat with her. Josie's quite, uh, she's a very good pal of um, both of ours, but we kind of remarked as we were doing the episode, you don't often sit and kind of talk to your friends in the way that you end up doing when you're on the podcast. So it was it was really nice. And I think we both um, learned, we all learned new things about one another um, too, which is quite cool. So yeah, here we go for, for our episode with Josie Duncan. Well, hello, Josie Duncan. Hello, Charlie Gray. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. That's more than all right. So we've we've all got our coffee and we're good to go. And Joe is sitting patiently by the piano. Feeling ready. It's nice to see you, Josie. Nice it's been quite a long time. I know, it's been so long. Like a year, maybe? I think so. I was thinking as I was, I was driving over today, I think the last time I saw you was when we were all sitting in the studio recording that wee single that we did. Oh, my word. In January so 2020. January 2020. That's over a year ago then. That yeah. was the last time I would have seen you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah, and because I was thinking maybe the last time was your birthday, um, but no, it, it would have been January because I remember it was just about to be twenty twenty. Yeah, and we got you a bottle of Mad Dog twenty twenty, and we we're like, twenty twenty gonna be the best year ever. <laughs> <laughs> Little did we know. Yeah, that's it. The Mad Dog twenty twenty was very tasty though. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm very glad. And has it been a productive year for you, Josie? It actually has been, yeah, yeah, surprisingly. What about yourselves? Productive in, in different ways, I think, as opposed to in musical ways so much. Okay, fair, um, absolutely fair. Done a lot of moving around and setting up my life in a slightly different way. Yeah. Um, and Joe, you've you've kind of been the same, haven't you? Yeah, I got a, I moved house, I got a new job and got a cat. I think that is that amazing. The, oh, I'm so- the kind of 2020 that panned out. I'm so jealous of the cat. I would love to. I saw a picture of your wee black cat. She's very cute. She's so cute. What's her name? <laughs> Juno. Oh, um, Juno. I was like, I really wanted a cat named after a synthesizer. Oh! That was the only name we could agree on. Was oh, Juno. I was thinking of the film. <laughs> yeah. It's a great film, but no, yeah. the synthesizer, yeah, that might. that's probably even better. That's it. Well, because I was like, you could call the cat, there's loads of great synthesizers, like a prophet or something like that but I don't Bruno was not keen for a cat called Prophet that's um, quite intense to be fair yeah, yeah <laughs> or I, Dave Smith I think that would have been uh, another good one I met a cat called Dog recently and I really enjoyed that <laughs> I once met a cat called Joni Mitchell oh I love that oh I should name. I should have a cat called Joni Mitchell <laughs> that makes so much sense it's gotta happen so who who are you who is Josie Duncan Josie and Duncan what do you do Tell our listeners. Hello, listeners. My name is Josie Duncan. I am a woman from Stornoway. Um, what else can I tell you? I am a singer and a songwriter. And I, that is what brings me here. That's the reason that I know you guys. I very much operate within the musical circle um, and have lots of lovely musical friends too. So, yeah. And Stornoway is on the Isle of Lewis? Stornoway on the Isle of Lewis, yeah, that's where and I am that's from. also where my granny was from. Yes, and I met your granny many times. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan. Small, small world. It, it really is, yeah. 
it is quite a small wee world, I think, this one that we operate in, in some ways. Um, and, you know, with that, like, I'm starting to think, like, when, how did the three of us all first meet? Oh, I do actually remember meeting you guys separately, not together. Um, so I met Charlie first. Mm-hmm. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I met you through Caledonian Kelly Trail. That's right, in Inverness. In Inverness, yeah. Um, and then the next year, I met you at Face Rosh Kelly Trail. Oh, that's right. Right but We weren't on the same ones, yeah. but at the training week and yeah, everything like yeah. that. Also, I think I was also there. Oh, yeah, we were. We did two Kelly trails together yeah, in a yeah. row. <laughs> I was like, it's not a Kelly trail without Charlie Gray. So I'd just say as well, like um, Kelly Trail is a sort of youth-based project where you would meet up for a week at the beginning of a summer and arrange a bunch of music, and you go out and tour it to kind of get a feel for what it would be like to be a professional musician. Yeah, it's like the best summer job you can have when you're young. Like, I yeah. remember I had just... Because I, I was convinced I wasn't going to get to do the Kelly Trail after my audition because I think I like made an oopsie. Um, so I had just like taken on a job at Subway Sandwich. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is my summer. It would have been okay, I'm sure, but it's it's not super fun to be a vegan in a sandwich shop. Um, so I was so, so happy when I got onto that Kelly Trail. And then I was even more happy when you were also on it because I knew you from the year before. Yeah, yeah. I still have um, at home an album that you gave me. No, <laughs> burn it. <laughs> I would have been about 15, probably. Oh, Charlie, no, and please. And you've, you've signed it. Oh, um, no. And it must be your first first recording. Oh, no. Oh, it's so embarrassing. I got to... Do you know what, as well? At the time, if you listen to this, this is so funny. I had a singing teacher who kept telling me that you need to lose your Scottish accent when you're singing. I was a singing teacher I used to have video calls with and they were like really, like they were amazing. They taught me so much about breathing and everything. But on that album, I tried so hard not to have a Scottish accent because my teacher was saying and now I listen to it and I'm like, oh, I feel so itchy and uncomfortable that I felt like I had to do that. Because now I just use my own accent all the time. What was the teacher's reasoning behind not using a Scottish accent? The teacher was from America, and I I think she just didn't like the sound of it, I think. But, and I I think because I was so young and I hadn't done much, I didn't feel like I could argue. Um, whereas now, like, she laughs and she's like, okay, yeah, yeah you know, you're, you're grand. She's obviously not listening to the Gaelic Psalms of the Western Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I can hear myself, like, changing my accent for that for that CD for her. Um, and now she laughs about it too, because she hears what I do now. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah but she's, she's really lovely. And do you have any... Well, I know that you do have current projects on the go and different bands but I was just wondering if you wanted to talk a wee bit about that and yeah, who sure. you're working with at the moment. Well because of lockdown things have been so different so it's not been like going out and about so I've been like so lucky to have quite a lot of commission work on this year Um, so I did a new voices at Celtic Connections and that brought me to a bunch of musicians I've never worked bef- with before. Okay so what, what's the kind of basis of that? So the new voices I thought um, well because I was writing it all um, it, I kind of wrote about my own experience very much in lockdown as well so it's all kind of about mental health and things like that and um, very different, very very not trad but there's always so many nods to the trad stuff like I can't help it, it's just naturally that happens yeah. but I had like saxophone, bass guitar synthesizers, drum kit um, and fiddle and cello um, and electric guitar so yeah it was very different, very different Great. sound 
was great fun. But I'm doing doing some recording with that band um, soon. I play with Inyal, who you guys know who we are, but for anyone who doesn't, we are a five-piece band um, using electronics and synthesizers alongside traditional instruments, um, fiddle and pipes and drum kit, and I sing Gaelic songs with them, and it's very fun. And also, I've just written a commission for the opening of Heb Kelt with you, Charlie. Yeah. You're playing fiddle, um, and that was so much fun. It was really cool. It's quite strange sitting sitting at home recording stuff for a festival. Yeah, isn't it? That's going to be happening up the road. It's so crazy. And it's so weird now that it's like out of my hands. I'm like, this is my music for in the house. Yeah. Why is it going to be out of the house? How, how, do you, how do you feel about that generally? Either of you, actually. It's very strange. I think your relationship with recorded stuff, or certainly mine, um, kind of changes over time. It's mm -hmm. like, put it out and then I'll just like have to not think about it for a little bit. I think, you know, particularly, well, making stuff's often quite an intense thing. So it's quite like, okay. I'll just close that tab in my brain and kind of move on. And then for a while, I'll pick holes in what I've done. And then after about six months, I'll be like, oh, no, actually, that was nice. Sometimes you need distance from it to really be objective. Yeah. Like when I've just written something, there's no way for me to know if I like it or not. I always like it because I've enjoyed writing it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, is that why I like it? Or would I like it if I had just heard it? Yeah. So you need that distance. And when you're working to a deadline, you can't always have that distance. So you yeah. just have to hope for the best. Yeah. Hope so, you still like it in a year. <laughs> something that just sprang to my mind was me and you, Joe. We had a, I think it was on the way down to the south of England. We had a, that big long drive. Oh, yeah. And we listened to all of our recordings from start to finish. And that, that was, was an experience. That was I've, an experience. I've, I've certainly never done that before to that degree. No, um, in one sitting. Yeah. <clears throat> That's intense. It kind of was intense. Yeah. I, wasn't, I was expecting it not to be as intense as it was. Well, how many years back did it go? 2016, I think. Is that's that's a lot thing. because you, you changed so much in, in that time. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, we, we've certainly started recording music together when we were... 1819 yeah uh -huh. our first so. album in my front room and it's funny listening to that and actually because that feels so distant and I feel like my how I play and how I think about music is probably and how we play together has probably developed a lot since then but listening back to it it was actually more familiar than I thought it would be it was yeah, like I feel really connected to it still oh that's awesome which See, is nice sometimes this funny thing is is if you don't feel that it, it's on the internet, so it's still there forever. So yeah. something you did age 16 could be the first thing that comes up on a YouTube search of your Absolutely. name. Yeah. And I, it's so funny. I've, I've got so many like videos from being young that are online and people like request me to sing that song. And I'm like, goodness, I forgot about that. I have not sung in 10 years or so. Mm -hmm. It's such an odd thing. And it's yeah. like, I know you weren't at my gigs when I was 16 because nobody was at my gigs when I was 16. Yeah. So you found this on YouTube. It's such an odd thing. I, I personally try to just own that feeling a little bit as well. That's and cool. I think there's not really any other approach that's worked for me other than that, you know, it's because you obviously thought it was good enough at the time to yeah, put it out into the world. Totally. Um although sometimes it is other people filming. But um That's very true. I did I will admit, I did make my pal from school put all of the videos from our school musical on private <laughs> because yeah. they were giving me so much cringe. <laughs> there was one like that, um with I play in this other band called Tanara and we yes. were over doing some gigs in Belgium and the Netherlands and 
we played this one wee gig in Antwerp in the downstairs bit of a pub. Um, and the backdrop was hilarious though, because it was like a Scottish themed pub. So there was like this cardboard cutout of like a castle drawbridge thing with two like topless men in kilts on either side <laughs> painted really you know it was a very like rough and ready sort of thing and they were the same size as the drawbridge and they were like like larger than life size <laughs> okay. and so there's the, the our backdrop for the gig was that we were kind of in the middle of the drawbridge oh that's and so fun the whole thing was filmed and <laughs> was top of the like youtube searches for that band oh um, gosh if only you could choose the order yeah. that things would appear in it would be good yeah, it's a funny thing being a performer who is a full-time musician, but not you're you know we're not um, famous in that way that people who are who are really famous they have such control. Mm-hmm. There's teams controlling it. Yeah. You don't have that. You're so accessible to people, and it's an it's an odd it's an odd thing to be. And I I don't think many people who aren't in that situation understand it. Like of course we've got a mutual understanding. Um, it's very strange middle ground though it's like you know even on on social media like when you get people who from the just like someone from the other side of the world can just add you and start talking to you can just find you in that mm-hmm. way just through having heard you on the radio or found you on spotify or yeah. something like that and it's it's a tricky one to know how to approach because in some yeah, ways it's because in some ways it's nice that like you know the the world is that kind of accessible and kind of small now and I think it benefits all of us as well because we can make connections with people and musicians yeah, and stuff. Yeah, we get to meet our heroes yeah, all the time. Totally, but but the, I think the flip of that is kind of always feeling like you're accessible to other people. Yeah. It's, it's hard to know how to have those kind of boundaries sometimes, I think. I, I wish that this was taught more, um, like when you're learning about, like for example, when I was at uni, I would have loved if this had been touched on because it can be really uncomfortable sometimes. Yeah. And I, I do prefer, put it out there, I do prefer when people who I do not know personally contact me on my music page. Yeah. I feel much more comfortable with that. It's it's um, it's funny when they message you on your private page and they're very familiar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They maybe don't realise that you don't have the same level of familiarity with them. I think also the folks scene generally <clears throat> is a little more accessible from that yeah, of point course, of view but it does make sense yeah and and I, I i do love talking to people at the same time uh, but you do have to have some level of boundaries yeah when it comes to stranger danger and yeah. all of that and that can be different for every person but you do you just have to realize where your lines are and stick to them I think. absolutely our generation are probably some of the first to experience some of these difficulties and yeah. going back to our conversation about filming and things it's so true the three of us have been performing since we were all in our exactly (laughs) in our early teens and i think that's amazing but it's also quite it's amazing but in 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 previous times that would not have been online that would have just happened and then you would record when you choose to but now that everyone has like a camera in their pocket exactly and the internet on their fingertips it's just it's yeah we are you're right we are the first generation navigating this so it's understandable that we don't have all the answers yet but we will get there yeah we will social media has has changed a lot of things for a lot of people and the industry has massively changed and will continue to do so i think have you heard the gillian welsh song everything is free she kind of touches on it like and how she says like they've figured out that we're gonna do it anyway even if it doesn't pay so that is so true you can't you can't not make music if you are that way inclined 
Um, but it's funny what you're talking about being young, because I remember like when I started gigging full time, um, probably like 20 and 21, when it was just like, I left uni to do it. And I remember people kept introducing me as young and I was like, why do they keep calling me young? I'm not young. And now when I see myself, yeah. like 20 and 21, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's why. Yeah, that's, <laughs> like, look at her, she's a little baby. That's definitely baby. something me and Joseph had to navigate quite a lot, actually, as a duo. And I think, you know, it's not it's not all doom and gloom, but I do find our, our music is quite, it can be quite sort of serious. And it's I think, very thoughtful and reflective. Well... We certainly like to think so. But, it is. Um, oh, 100% it is. Um, yeah. I think that was always quite tricky for us, you know, because it was like there we were trying to like do something quite kind of from our hearts. Yeah. And yet you go on stage and it's, oh, and here's this young couple, you know. Yeah, yeah totally, it's, totally. I think there's, there's a funny thing about, I think this is true of most music scenes, but definitely ours, um, this thing of how being young and doing the thing is kind of like valued or mm -hmm. something it's like it's it's almost like it's special because you're young as opposed to be because of what you're doing sometimes yes. you know what I mean it's like there's a balance between those things uh -huh. and and that can be a bit um tricky I think it's easy to feel like the word young is belittling mm -hmm. and it's there it's easy it's easy to think that I, I don't think I think to a lot of people it's not but it's easy to feel like it is when it's constantly yeah. a word that's put on you. But how long are we young for? Like, <laughs> I don't, I certainly don't feel young now, but I didn't feel young then, so it's hard to yeah. know. Yeah. I think the past year has definitely aged us all as well. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I can't believe I was 24 when lockdown started and now I'm 26. It just feels like such a big difference. Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure everyone is the same. Yeah. But gosh, two birthdays in lockdown. Like, there was something me and Joe were talking about recently, it was just like, I think this time in our lives, you know, this like we're both certainly feeling the the pressure to kind of be doing things, and you totally. feel like you're wasting time, and it's it's quite a stressful feeling. I think that that is going to be a shared feeling with everyone. Yeah, regardless of age, perhaps. Yeah, because I think about imagine myself being at college, I would feel very cheated if my uni was suddenly online, but I would likewise I would feel like that at school if it was my last few years of school. Yeah. But then also if you had kids and then you're locked down with them, that would be really overwhelming. So I feel like all of us, we've just been cheated two years of our life, essentially. Very, very so true. it's crazy. So Josie, I wanted to ask you quite a broad question oh, about your relationship with music throughout your life and just kind of what that has been and how it's changed and how has it been affected since being a professional musician? My relationship with music has been always changing and is still changing all the time. I really like to try as many things as possible. And I like I like knowing that I've tried many things. Um, so <clears throat> when I was younger, I was introduced to music through my parents, um, which was very orchestral music. And I remember being so taken by the harp, like the classical harp but I was far too young to have one or even like reach the strings. Um, but I was begging, begging to play harp. And then eventually I got to play Klarsoch. Um, but in all of this time, I was always singing. Um, yeah, always singing. I used to like put on shows for my cousins, singing into hairbrushes and stuff like that. Like your classic little singer cousin friend. <laughs> so I've always, always, always loved singing. And I grew up in a very musical community 
traditional music, across the road from me was a fiddle player called Donnie Loudy, who's oh, just yeah. like incredible and wrote these gorgeous tunes. So I played fiddle for a wee while with him and he was a lovely teacher. Um, and then in school, I played brass, I played everything, piano. Um, both my parents played brass, yeah, and like a lot of my family members play brass. It's quite odd, I don't know don't know any families with so many brass players. So I think I was very much expected to also play brass because I, my cousins do, my uncles, my aunties, there's so many brass players. Like we could honestly just be a brass band. Um, so I did for a wee while. I didn't, didn't stick to it. I've tried so many instruments over my time when I was wee. And yeah, I'm glad I have though. Um, singing has been a constant throughout my whole life. But the stuff that I have been singing has always changed. Like um, I've done so much Gaelic song. And I love Gaelic songs, always have done, always will, like no doubt about that. And then I also tried out everything I possibly could while I was at school, like musical theatre, jazz, everything. Um, started writing songs when I was about 11, 12. They're really embarrassing now to find, <laughs> but also they can be very sweet um, and nostalgic. So I've been, yeah, started writing songs at that age. So the two things that have always stayed with me have been the songwriting and the Gaelic song. That's been a constant throughout everything that I've tried over the time. And if you started writing songs aged 11, presumably that's changed and shifted just as much as your, um, you know, what you're doing in music has as well over the time. Yeah, so when I, when I started writing songs at 11, I was really into um, Regina Spector, Joni Mitchell, and all of these people, and I felt like, to me, they felt so separate from the traditional music I was doing. And as I've gotten older, um, listening to like loads of amazing songwriters like Nick Drake, Bob Dylan, all these people that I've loved, I kind of, I don't see them as such separate things anymore. Yeah. And I see how they can really work in tandem and like um, how one can influence the other. Um, so yeah, I guess my, my look, the way that I look at music now is so much less bitty and more one overall thing yeah. and a lot of freedom has come with that mm -hmm. like it just feels like everything's there everything's open it's music is music i think it's nice to hear you say that because i think myself and joe both had that sort of realization at points as well just the kind of different genres and worlds of music kind of it feeling a bit more okay to do all of them you know or to they listen to them or exactly completely and i think i would because I, I studied in um piano you know and like folk and traditional stuff I did a year of jazz and a kind of masters of classical things and but I think I was always looking for the differences between those things and to try and like impose lines and be like okay so this is trad and folk this is jazz this is classical this yeah. is free improv or whatever but actually looking back it seems like a bit of a backwards way of looking at things to be like this is how these things are different this is the line between them sort of thing but that that's what got you to this point yeah that's what how you've arrived where you are now yeah to totally and I'm and I'm glad I'm glad of having done all of that and have to have thought of them as a genre of their own but it's now nice to just be like okay so all of those things inform like a musical whole that is kind of me I suppose and it's nice to just see it as that whole picture yeah and is... I, th I think piano is so perfect for that as well because it's it's laid out in front of you mm -hmm. and you can do whatever you want I think with your voice and maybe also fiddle um it's it's the sound of it is so personal and can really 
like you hear the way someone plays a note or the way someone sings a note and it instantly you think of a certain style yeah yeah um whereas with like piano or harp for example it's just there and you can just do whatever you want with mm-hmm. it and mm-hmm. but it's the same with, with fiddle and voice of course you could do whatever you want with it but the it guess that your tone implies a lot more yeah from yeah. the first listen i think we are quite lucky the three of us to play instruments that belong in many genres you know like yeah. obviously like the piano is across the board and singing is you know even more universal it's, sometimes that choice can be crazy like knowing that you can when you sing a note you've got so many options available to you you can do anything you want with it that mm-hmm. when you really think about that too much it can be a bit <laughs> a bit of a big thing to think about i can um, get quite existential yeah totally totally so i i try not to think about it but i i kind of i suppose at some point i made a decision to sing in a voice that um is not too far from my speaking voice so yeah. like that for me just feels really comfortable and really natural and yeah i keep that with me in like whatever style i'm singing Okay, shall we make a start on this song? Sounds like a plan. I wrote it based on a poem by my great-grandpa, Jack Kincaid, and I kind of took his poem and turned it into a song. The poem didn't rhyme, so I had to change it a wee bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, it's, about, it's all about like, stepping out with yourself and finding peace by like, looking at the world around you rather than what's inward. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really, he wrote really cool poems. It's called Oh To Be A Bird. Um, so should I sing you a wee bit of that song? Yeah, I've never yeah, sung it unaccompanied it. before, oh, so it's funny. Um, I actually wrote this one on a ukulele, <laughs> which is so <laughs> funny because I don't really play ukulele. But yeah. <laughs> Softer than any night A whisper of silver moonlight is dancing on your skin notes of green bowling taking sleepless chances till sunlight's probing glances Weave me in velvet untorn Leave me ready for a storm You will rearrange your nest Any place that suits you best Sing a song you've never heard Oh, to be a bird so that's how it goes. <laughs> that's like two verses and a chorus. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, I also yeah, I think also it's just really lovely that you've taken something that your your grandfather wrote. I could read you the poem if you want. That'd be cool. I've yeah, I've got it great. with me. Yeah, so this is written by Jack Kincaid, my great or possibly great great. I always forget um, grandfather, who I never met. So it's really cool to have the poems. Yeah. Um, here is it's called Dream by the Rocks, and this is the poem. I link raven rocks with a molten sunset, a whisper of moonlight with a lassie's hair, and myself with all the notes of green growing. I catch stone bubbles from a breaking sun wave, feel probing glances from the swaying tangle, and weave me velvet from a night of storm. Then from the mouth of a moment tumbling, the sea life sounds that bob around me become star clusters, a galactic web alien all to my range of senses. The great crescendo of the darkening hills seems like a pulpit, 
where the gods may lean, declaiming sermons on their own behalf, that I, brain-bound, can dimly comprehend. Amazing. Wow. His poem, yeah. Really nice. Do you know where he was from? I, I'm not sure where he's from, but I know from his poems that he wished to be from Mull, where so much of his family was from. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was always, um, had this like connection to Gaelic, but wasn't given it. And he always felt like he really wanted that to be part of his life. Yeah. And I think that's why he writes so much about that part of the world. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's something that, that was lost in my family. And I know that he felt personally upset by that. So that's really interesting. Um, but I, it's funny, I hear different things from different family members and sometimes it contradicts itself. So I'm yeah. not I'm not totally sure. Yeah. I wish I could just have a yarn with him. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. Because I really do enjoy his poems, but no, I never I never got to meet him generations before me. So so yeah, it's really nice having something like this. Like yeah. a really cool legacy. Totally. Yeah. So that's that's where it came from. I I always had a plan of of writing a song based on one of his poems. One time when I was on the plane I just I was like reading it and then like had this idea for yeah. the song. I think I just attached it to the to the bird thing um, because I was on a plane at the time. And yeah. I was just like thinking about like imagine that freedom because um, it's kind of a poem about like the freedom of like taking on the world around you and stepping outside of yourself. So I just like sang it into my voice notes and then yeah, that's why I was on a ukulele because I was staying in a and b that night and they happened to have one. Oh, <laughs> so I was like, okay, I can write this song now. <laughs> so... Um... It's sometimes quite a scary thing to approach uh, pieces of music and writing, etc., um, when they mean mean a lot to you. Yeah, I put it off for a long time. Yeah, it's something that I I certainly experience a lot. You know, I have these really big ideas in my mind of like projects I'm going to do mm-hmm. that mean you know kind of everything mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. But you're almost too scared to touch it because. <laughs> I know one of the ones you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's it can be quite quite a scary thing I don't know if you experienced that too Joe. I think so it's very hard to start sometimes um, especially when it's you know if you've been planning or thinking about something for a long time like the easiest things are like for example this the album that we made earlier this year Charlie it was very like oh oh we've got some time and some money we can do this and it just was like start to finish in like five weeks yeah it was you know, quite we a like, quick turnaround it wasn't was it? a lot of like it was it was literally like that went to the studio recorded it in a day what? and i think it's like the oh my gosh it's like one of the things that we've made together that i'm the most happy with um that's so cool that sounds so natural and so and so like when you have things like that that are just like bam 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 and it's done that's sometimes a lot easier than really trying to think and plan and you know, or just have an idea for a long time before actually going to it, because I think that's when all of the yeah the kind of resistance kind of creeps in, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, when I get that like that funny feeling, that's a bit a nicky feeling towards mm-hmm. something that I know I I don't want a nicky feeling towards. Like yeah. the the nervousness creeps in. I, I like to give myself c- constraints. Mm-hmm. So like when I did that song, I I was like, okay. Um, this is such a big thing to want to do so I decided I was like I'm gonna have this many verses I'm gonna have a chorus I'm just gonna do it and then mm-hmm. it's almost like um having a co-writer because yeah, like totally. decisions have already been made yeah um so that really helps me when I'm like stuck and you get like blank page syndrome yeah totally. just like that's really interesting making decisions before you start it's yeah it's almost like someone else is sitting there just going like do it do yes, it now <laughs> totally totally yeah 
Well, thanks so much, Josie, for coming and um, and doing this with us today. It's been so nice to catch up and to see you and to do some music. And um, yeah, we made a nice thing as well. And it was a great chat. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm chuffed to be here. I've been looking forward to this all week. Yeah. Thanks, guys. I think something we've been doing kind of throughout this series of podcasts is asking our guests to um, maybe try and pick a word which kind of sums it up. Um, and then we use that as like the like the name for the episode and stuff like that as well. Okay, I'm trying to think of a word that um, encompasses the feeling of something that you needed but you didn't know you needed. Now, what would that be under in the dictionary now? Mm. honestly I think I would say like it feels like a relief mm-hmm. and I didn't expect that but I haven't been able to make music in the same room as people for so long yeah it's all been online and it's all been like demos and, and bitty and this has just felt so organic um yeah. and honestly it, it does it feels like a relief it feels like I've needed this and I didn't know like I feel like my shoulders are more relaxed now like I think I would call it a relief and it sounds very drastic but I do mean it like so yeah well thank you so much for coming in and sharing that with us oh my gosh thank you for having me thank you for making it happen yeah well that was our time in the studio with Josie we we had a really great day making music and chatting with her and hope that everyone who's listening enjoyed that as much as we did Of course, we'd recommend going online and checking out some of Josie's other work. Um, There's lots of great stuff of hers out there. This week, as well as our main episode with Josie, we've also released a wee bonus episode just with some some other really nice conversation that we couldn't quite get into the main podcast, as well as a couple of other tracks. Although these podcasts are free to listen to, if you like what you've heard, you might consider subscribing to us on Bandcamp and helping us to support us do what we do. You can find more details about what that entails and what you might get from it over on our website, which is www.cgjpmusic.com. And finally, thanks very much for listening. And also a huge thank you to our funders, which are Creative Scotland, the Marcus Trust and Britain Peers Arts. In a fortnight's time, when the next episode of Taking Note will be joined by Queen MacArthur, who's a brilliant musician, composer, and a great friend of both of ours. So we hope you'll join us. Bye for now. Mm-hmm.